Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. Greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. We will be joined here momentarily by Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage, who is here for the Dace Group. Of course, uh, you know the Friday routine. It's pretty normal around here. We'll get to your feedback, including a very important note. We have we have gotten a ton of positives about the new set here in the inbox this week. I mean, a ton. But there have been a, you know, a small but vocal minority of folks who have decided to play junior engineer slash set designer. Okay. And of course, I've just deleted all of those. <laughs> um, but there was one in particular that raised a concern that I, I think needs to be addressed. And... In fact, you know what? If it's, if it's what you're, if, if 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 it's what I'm thinking, you're thinking about or talking about. I agree. Um, well, we'll see if you agree. In fact, with since since Jill is here, we can maybe just include her in this conversation. Let's just do this now. Shall we just do this now? Go for it. All right. Uh, Anne Renee writes, "I love the new digs, with one exception." The new lighting is causing shadowing of your eyes that was not there before, and I'm not seeing those gorgeous baby blues you have anymore. I think this is a legitimate complaint that needs to be heard. We were not talking about the same thing. <laughs> I didn't think that I didn't think that we were. Nevertheless, I've probably gotten about 20 emails from people trying to play junior set designer, rotisserie engineer. I've deleted all previous 19, but this one caught my eye. And, and I just think that at my age, I need all to provide this audience all the visual affirmation I possibly can. Right? So got to give the people what they want. Indeed. Steve. I've got to give the people what they want and I won't, I won't put Jill on the spot and ask her if, you know, to, to you know, just make a, a choice, uh, me or Kirk Herbstreet, because, I mean, I would choose Kirk Herbstreet. That's Street. exactly where I was going to go. You know you love Kirk Herbstreet. I do. I, 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 I do. I even messaged it to Todd earlier this week. I was so hoping when Aaron just went to that shot right now that there would be an empty chair where Jill was sitting. <laughs> <laughs> but, alas. I'm not bringing much to the table from, and this is a television show after all. I am not bringing much to the table visually, uh, but uh, that might be the one thing. So I don't know how we correct that. I don't know. Can, can you we buy do a ring light on Amazon and you crank that thing up right in front of your? Face. She knows the chick knows. She there, knows. There's two ring lights in this room right now. That, that see, solves all problems. That's why I knew it was right to bring this up with Jill on the show. Because you guys would not know what to do. You don't care. You're like me. You're dudes. Um, but I knew that she would know. She knows. I'm beyond uncomfortable at this point in the show. <laughs> this is maybe the most comfortable Jill's ever been. Todd, we can get you one too. It's it's all good. Nice. All right. So anyway, Anne Renee, your complaint has been officially filed here. With the crack engineering team at Blaze TV Radio and Podcast, and we will get on that as soon as we possibly can. Um, I, in case you missed this yesterday, in all seriousness, I want to reiterate uh, a new partner we have here on the show. And I got a note yesterday from someone who had done business with Jace Medical before. And he's like, hey, I'm really glad they, that they've come on board with the show. These guys are legit. They do good work. 
And so what's Jace Medical? Well, you know, you hear us talk about um, My Patriot Supply. We'll be talking about them later today on the show. They're basically the My Patriot Supply of medications. And gentlemen, has there been anything that has occurred recently that has made you fear about the possibility that literally out of nowhere, well-known, even Nobel Prize winning, award winning, decades long regulated as safe drugs when needed the most just might be taken off the market? Has it, can you think of an event that has occurred in recent memory? where such a fear would not be the stuff of an Alex Jones trial, but real life that we should probably prepare or plan for. Anything? Anything? Nothing? Bueller? Exactly. So, who knows? Who knows when the next time it's amoxicillin? Who knows when the next time it's doxycycline, which for me, as someone who's allergic to the penicillin family of antibiotics, that's one of my alternative go-tos both of those things by the way both amoxicillin and doxycycline both in this packet from our friends over at jace medical go there right now jacemedical.com fill out the questionnaire one of their physicians will evaluate your needs then the medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy for a fraction of the regular cost to make sure that you are prepared for the next time that they try to kill you which is exactly what they've done here for the last 31 months. Jace, J as in Jeff, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com is where you want to go. That's jacemedical.com. All right, next hour, some Feedback Friday, although we've already tackled the most important piece of feedback that we will be discussing on the show here today. But let's get to it with hour number one. It is time for the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins as it always does with issue one bleep Lord Nefarious says. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? Did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No, uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma and standing against my constituents. Our institution is located on Dakota land. Today, many indigenous people throughout the state, including Dakota and Ojibwe, call the Twin Cities home. We also recognize this acknowledgement is not enough. We commit to uprooting the legacy and perpetuation of structural violence deeply embedded within the healthcare system. We recognize inequities built by past and present traumas rooted in white supremacy, colonialism, the gender binary, ableism, and all forms of oppression. As we enter this profession with opportunity for growth, we commit to promoting a culture of anti-racism listening and amplifying voices for positive change. I am very queer. I am non-binary and I use they, them pronouns and my students know this. But yesterday, I had some boys asking about it and I explained to them, like, here's how you use it, here's an example. We use it in the English language all the time. And they respond with, well, if you're a man, then I can be a woman. And so I looked at him and I said, okay, do you want me to use she, her pronouns for you? And he goes, uh, no. 
And I responded with, okay, so you're just saying that to hurt my feelings then? And he goes, oh, blah, blah, blah. what? No. Like, yes, you are. You're being a bully. You're being transphobic. It hadn't been, there, there has, there is no, there's no guarantee that they're going to be, I don't think there will be a recession. If it is, it'll be a very slight recession. And Lester, in small talk before the interview without captioning, it wasn't clear he was understanding our conversation. His campaign required that he be allowed to use a transcription program on his computer during our interview. I always thought I was pretty empathetic, uh, uh, emphatic. Uh, I think I was very, excuse me, empathetic. Uh, you know, that's an example of the struck empathetic. Here's the difference between Democrats and, and MAGA Republicans. When a Democrat says something racist or anti-Semitic, we would, we, we hold them, we hold Democrats accountable. And by the way, I'm going to get an assault weapons ban. Before this is over, I'm going to get that again. Not a joke. And watch. Is that the greatest Freudian slip in the entire history of this show? I will never stop stop working against my constituents and working for Big Pharma. Is that the greatest? You know, it's funny ever and depressing at the same time. Is that that same thing could have been said by numerous Republicans? I think she was just being honest. Jill, ladies first, and you're the guest anyway. Uh, first question goes to you. What was the foulest stench to burst forth from the bowels of hell this week? Well, I will say it was a very well-placed Jace medical ad. If you watch the beginning half of Aaron's montage there, you see exactly the cult that we are dealing with now in the medical community. Do we care if they actually went through and tested the jab for prevention of COVID-19? No, we had to work at the speed of science, idiots. Get in line, jab up so you can keep your job. But to me, the the cumulative part of the last half of that with John Fetterman, the fact that he is still a candidate in this election cycle is beyond comprehension. Joe Biden, we, we know what him and KJP bring every single week, but the fact that they're just still going out there, we have the worst communicators ever. We should be the smartest group of people in 2022. We have every resource at our disposal. You can learn whatever you want right now. Yet talking for humans seems to be more difficult now (laughs) than ever. And that to me is just one of these things like we have better people out there. We just don't care to push them forward. By the way, Trafalgar came out with a poll last night that has Fetterman up by two. I believe it. In Pennsylvania. If I look at the Pennsylvania Senate race this this way, I, I can't lose. I can't lose one way or the other. All right. Either that seat goes Republican or Mehmet Oz once and for all for the 39th time in my career hammers the point home that these kinds of candidates cannot win. They, 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 they cannot win. Because you're li- you're, you would lose to a vegetable, a, a living, a literal vegetable. Yeah. I mean, the guy, the, and, and, and this isn't a rhetorical flourish, as you like to say, Todd, this isn't for effect. This isn't right wing talk, you know, embellishment. That's, that guy wouldn't pass a driver's license test straight up. He's not qualified to operate a motor vehicle. You call an Uber. Bald guy in a hoodie pulls up and says, uh, um, did you 
uh, call for a plane, a car, truck. Are you are you going in that car? You're like, you know what? I'm good. I'm good here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No way. So the way I look at it in Pennsylvania, man, I can't win or I can't lose. I'm, whatever the result is, I'm declaring victory. All right. Either they flip the seat or my narrative gets confirmed one way or the other. It's a win for me. Can't lose. But yeah, how about them apples? Trafalgar had him up too last night. Just the guy is a walking bears report incarnate. Todd. I think it's the uh, doctors at the University of Minnesota. This isn't just medicine. This is about uh, the expert class in this country. We, we've diagnosed it amongst uh, teachers who you know, aren't really experts uh, at anything, even the ones we like. Uh, it's just the, the, the abuse of that word allows things like you happen to see there corporations this is why we are in so much trouble regardless of this red wave election you have people in the highest places of authority making the most money the influencers who will willingly bend the knee like that it's it's jill just got done using the term cult we use it on the show all the time what what is that if it's not a cult? What, can you imagine? I, nobody in this entire nation just 10 years ago, including, de- including Democrats, w- would have stood for such nonsense. That's how far we've gone that fast. One of the, one of the key points that we make in Rise of the Fourth Reich, and you'll see it when the book comes out, first quarter next year is and this is why we use the the terminology of the reich because what was done and i don't think a lot of people probably know this and because i don't think a lot of people have been taught history right and oh by the way what parent walks into a classroom on the first day of school sees that for a teacher and leaves their kid there a lot of them forgive me I, I actually just made the assumption that parents were actually still walking in to meet the teachers at the school <laughs> my bad <laughs> I made, I made it funny. I, I, I even assumed that that was still going on. What am I thinking? Right? They're going to vote for Fredder, man. Of yeah, course they're yes, going to hand their yeah, kids of off to her. The idea that they're in there actually meeting the teachers. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, moving on. My bad. Uh, silly. Uh, we'd be called parenting. But um, one of the points that we make in that book and one of the central themes of that book and why we invoke the, the phrasing of the Reich is that Nuremberg, there were actually two sets of trials. There are the famous ones that everybody knows that were done for the Nazis and their accomplices. But there was a separate trial that was done for the, the medical system because it was, they wanted to learn how it devolved into a biomedical fascist state. How did the most learned and enlightened say, why, yes, uh, uh, these Jews that look exactly, I mean, they weren't even same skin tone, everything. This was unlike anything they had ever seen. There had never been a targeting of a group of people like this that it wasn't done because of a difference in skin color or anything they were completely homogenized within the exact same culture and everything else and so they they tried to figure out why the people that were supposed to be the most enlightened went completely along with it and were were the tip of the spear to institute it that was the public health administration that was the they, they were the primary conduit for the nazis to install these these policies 
And that's where we got the Nuremberg Code and things of that nature. I'm just telling you right now, history doesn't just repeat, folks. It rhymes. That's right out of the Third Reich. Yes, it is. That, that pledging of allegiance to a totalitarian state and its messaging and its dogmas and its propaganda and that you are putting the interest of the state ahead of the interest of the individual patient. Was the word patient even said in that no. entire entire chant? Mantra, whatever the hell that was. Bowing to Jobu. I don't know what that was. Demonic. I know it was that. Okay. But that's how we get here. And if you now think it's nuts that they would have that, that these people will deny you a safe, effective, inexpensive medication so that you will die for their agenda. That's how, what it looks like right there. That's that's where all the stories you're going to read in this book next year, people whose loved ones died in the hospital untreated, people they had to kidnap their, their loved ones out of the hospitals to save their lives. How did this happen? You're seeing it yeah. right there. And on the heels of COVID, we should have more humility than ever before. Correct. We're more arrogant and stupid and unreasonable than ever before. How many of those people who said last year at this time, you should be denied medical care, serves you right, you died, you were unjabbed, you should be denied medical care, shouldn't he get it? How many of those public health officials, how many of them have come out in light of, well, first of all, the actual data that we know now, but secondly, Pfizer's own admission that it was never even tested as an inoculation, therefore it was never even tested as a vaccine. It was never even tested as a vaccine. How many of them have come out and said, wow, I'm sorry. The answer is none. And that's why if you ever freaking email me again and try giving me your nicer than God Jesus takes on I'm too harsh and wanting to kick the chair off from underneath them, get the hell out of my, get the hell out of here with that. None of them are apologetic. Not one bit. None of them are repentant. Not one bit. They killed people. They killed people, and they meant to do it. They were fine with doing it. They were fine with it. Aaron. That was going to be mine as well. I, I, and all I was going to say was, all that's missing is a freaking Sieg Heil. Really, honestly. That's all that's missing from that clip. So since that has been sufficiently and excellently hammered, it's the clip that preceded that one with... Uh, I can't remember her first name, but uh, the executive from Pfizer, Little. The little chuckle that she gives after saying, <laughs> tested against immunization. <laughs> you expected a vaccine. What do you think this game is? <laughs> we got to move at the speedest. I mean, she. Silly, silly homo sapiens. And I wanted to add this on uh, Tuesday when we talked about this. I'm not sure if we, we if, if uh, no, I, I, I never. If you listen to her full comments. The order in which she discusses that question, it is market first, mm -hmm. market first, company second. She says, hey, Pfizer, the amount of the billions that we invested in this, if we didn't get this to market, we could have crashed as a company. And then she gets down to the, uh, the actual patient level and claims just a chef's kiss of demonism. At the end, she claims some sort of some paper from where the Imperial College of London. Yeah. The Imperial, Imperial College We've of London claims, here. claims they saved four million lives. So market first, company, hey, we could have collapsed, and then patient with some phony study from the for the place that started this entire scamdemic. Uh, that is the worst of this week. Actually, I talked myself into that. That is the worst of this week. 
literally it's like it's like twin demons confirming each other's biases and they're each other's sources exit question on a scale of one to ten with one being the odds that you can trust Mitt Romney to have your back and ten being the odds that you can trust Lindsey Graham to have your backside <sighs> Rank this week's level of total depravity, Todd. Ten. Aaron. Ten. Jill. Ten. Speaking of our friends over at My Patriot Supply, um, when they are done, let's go branding everything else, and they start let's go branding the food supply. Make sure you are prepared with our friends over at My Patriot Supply. Get their three-month emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, drinks, the full complement of the 2,000-plus calories that you and everyone in your care needs per day. Good for up to 25 years with proper storage, and you can have that peace of mind of knowing that you are prepared for just such another let's go Brandon event. When you go to My Patriot Supply's landing page for this show, preparewithdace.com preparewithdace.com you'll get a special 20% off savings and free shipping if you get it from there preparewithdace.com 20% off and free shipping at preparewithdace.com let's get to issue two paypal's social credit trial balloon PayPal late last week announced a change to its user agreement. That change allowed the company to steal as much as $2,500 from users' accounts if they were deemed to be involved with the spreading of so-called disinformation. PayPal quickly backtracked on the change, calling it an honest mistake. PayPal, the OG online payment processor, has a value of nearly $100 billion, but its stock price dropped by nearly 10% over the past week as a not insignificant tangent of users left the platform after the user agreement change. Now we've had J.P. Morgan debanking. We had the situation with Kanye West and some controversy about whether or not this occurred as a result of uh, controversial, maybe even anti-Semitic comments that he made earlier this week, um, which has... And we went through this earlier this year here on The Blaze with our colleague Dave Rubin and uh, his moral choices. Now the now the Daily Wire is going through this where there's division over Kanye West between Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro on their platform. But actually, before we even get to that controversy, Breitbart is reporting today that J.P. Morgan had agreed to, to debank Kanye West before he even made those comments. They were going to debank him before he even made those comments. And they, you, you and I were talking before the show, Todd, they went after a Freedom uh, of Religion Foundation, tried yeah. to debank them, and yes. then said they would restore them if they provided a list of their donors. Yeah, it's quite a shakedown. Yeah. Are these honest mistakes or trial balloons, Todd? Oh, they're not. Neither. They're not even trial balloons. They're, they're telling us what they're going to do. And listen, if you don't ultimately become like the parents in Dearborn, Michigan, on every level, like this bank, if you have anything to do with this bank, if you're just a regular, if you don't and you're just a regular citizen, this bank's fortune should be over. This is a, this is a coup. This is a declaration of war against the free people of the United States of America. And we just don't rally to the fact of that matter often enough. In Dearborn, Michigan, they get it. In other school uh, from Virginia, other school districts, they have gotten it, but not enough. 
it is way too kind to say that this is a trial balloon. We Again, it speaks to the same thing as what I just said about the doctors at the University of Minnesota. None of this is isolated. It is every institution, every day of the week, all the time. So this election, red wave and all, is it it is the last chance i think we have as a people i care to uh, i care to live amongst to claim what is yours as a free people otherwise i don't care how rich you are i don't know how many trips you go on i don't know what you do in your leisure time it doesn't matter to me you're a slave and you disgust me if they're willing to step to donald trump and elon musk you don't think they're willing to step to you? Come on, man. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this, this Aaron is much like big tech. So our government grants them protections. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where they get to operate and, and gives them the ability to be publicly sold and traded companies. So they get to make billions of dollars off of selling shares and stock then grants them protections where they are prevented. They're, they're given some in between. Are they a publisher? Are they a platform? They get all those protections and then they use those protections to target Americans. Yes. Here's JP Morgan. I would assume getting FDIC insurance protection from taxpayers, thus vis-a-vis the government. And so the res- they now get to target Americans too. This is fascism, yes. Aaron. That's, that is the classic definition of fascism. Elites in the private and public sector colluding together to dominate the wider population. It's funny you bring up Elon Musk and Donald Trump. They're not afraid to go after them, obviously. Yes, and, and that's, uh, that's true of the Justice Department and the FBI. First, it was the, uh, the bigwigs like Donald Trump. First, it was his acolytes. And we kept telling you and we kept telling you if they're willing to go after them, yes, they have names and they've been in the news. They're going to go after you. And then all of a sudden we meet a guy named Mark Halk. And then about a week later, we meet 11 more pro-lifers in Tennessee, all had their homes raided and or were arrested and or were indicted by the FBI simply for being pro-life and exercising the First Amendment rights. That's what this comes down to. The same thing is playing out here in the business, in the free market economy realm. This is not free markets. It is absolutely fascism, as you just pointed out, Steve. First, they will come after the big names. They will. The Kanye Wests. Uh, they, they will pick any, any number. We've had these stories before, and Todd is absolutely right. It's not trial balloons. It's not honest mistakes. They're doing this, and they're going to keep doing it until one day we wake up, and it's stuck. And it's stuck. And then all of us are saying something that rhymes with stock. Where do we do? What do we do with our money? Can we even can we even put it anywhere? That's what this is all about. That's what what it was with censorship. That's what it was with the FBI and the Department of Justice. They're just going to keep. Oh, honest mistake. Honest mistake. Honest mistake. Mark Halk woke up to knocks on his door. That's what's happening here. It's always pushing the envelope. Always pushing the envelope, always, I don't know, violating norms. Hmm. They don't mind if they, they don't mind violating norms as long as they get to be the ones doing that. And oh, by the way, that Fetterman vote that you're talking about, that poll, that's what exactly what those people want. Jill, quickly got about a minute. Go ahead. Yeah, too many lawyers looked at this for this not to be a trial balloon. Mm-hmm. And exactly what Aaron was saying, it reminds me of the Cass Sunstein book, Nudge. Back in 2008, The Economist came out and said, oh, it's one of the best books 
Glenn Beck used to talk about it all the time. They're not going to come out and just shove you into fascism. They're going to take small incremental steps and you'll go one step after another. And one day you're going to wake up and turn around and say, how the heck did we get here? Right. They took your freedoms away with Facebook and Twitter first. They went through and you don't have freedom now with with the jab. You have to do this to keep your job. And now they're moving into the banking sector. It will control every part of your life as the state, the capital S state. That's the goal. Next question, if the odds there will be an orchestrated attempt by big tech and corporate America to install a full-fledged social credit system for mainstream commerce in America in the next five years, we're in Eagle Song. Which Eagle Song would it be? A, one of these nights. B, the long run. C, already gone. Chill. Already gone. Aaron. Already gone. Already gone. I'm actually okay with this. I mean... I mean, not not morally okay with it, but I I just think this level of treachery has to be obvious for the appropriate reaction to occur. That's just human nature. That, that, and and if that what, appropriate action does not occur, then we deserve it anyway. Correct. Yeah. And then it is what it is. Exactly. This is what Jesus means when he says, be either hot, be either hot nor cold. Don't be lukewarm. I'll spit you out of my mouth. I mean, that's what that means. Okay. That it is easier to take those who are cold and make them hot and those who are hot and make them hotter than it is those who are complacent and to get them to any semblance of life or light or warmth. That's what that means. So... Um, it's unfortunate that it's going to take this level of treachery to get us to where we need to go, but to that degree, get busy living or get busy dying. More of the day group here in a moment. We are in the throes of the most wonderful time of the year, football season, which also means peak tailgate season which means there's still time for you to get a really cool cooler from our friends over at Tyga Coolers, an American company, American-made, American workers, American values, big fans of the Blaze. Uh, they can also detail, customize a cooler for you as well. You want to put your own company logo on there. You want to uh, put your kit on there. If you like follow them around, you know, during the fall sports season, for example, anything that isn't totally obscene or violates a copyright that they could get sued for, they will do that for you or they'll just sell you a really cool premium cooler with a lifetime warranty as well and it comes at 10 percent off when you use the promo code steve when you get it at tigacoolers.com t-a-i-g-a t-a-i-g-a for tigacoolers.com use the promo code steve at checkout to get 10 percent off let's welcome back blaze tv contributor jill savage for the day script let's continue on with the weekly look that the week that was with issue three red wave or red tsunami as the midterm elections quickly approach, here's another reminder of Steve's latest crystal ball for both the governor's races and the Senate, and we'll start with the latter. In the Senate, he has Republicans controlling 54 seats when all is said and done, with pickups in Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, Ohio, and held seats in Wisconsin and North Carolina, among others. On the gubernatorial side, he has 30 Republican-led states, opposed to 20 Democrat. He has Minnesota and Wisconsin going red, with Michigan and Pennsylvania staying blue. He also has Republicans Carrie Lake winning in Arizona, Joe Lombardo winning in Nevada, and Christine Drazen winning in Oregon. All right, first question. Uh, now, forget I'm in the forecasting business, and let's say I'm in the line-setting business now. Okay? So I'm going to put the over-under, when all is said and done, three and a half weeks from today, by the way, Todd, 70 days until Christmas. 
Don't pretend like you're not excited. Uh, what's not to like about Christmas? See? Now you're coming around. You're, you're, no. you, you ganked the, pu- the pumpkin pie built bars from me the minute I brought them into the office. Mm-hmm. Now you're that excited to acknowledge Christmas is 70 days away. There we go. That was science, but uh, I'm Catholic, and there's a calendar, and there's a season, and, you know, there's I'm just, just going to chalk that up to coattails. You're figuring this thing out. I appreciate that about you. I even have a... There's even a pumpkin between us now on the on the stage. That right? really brightened the place up. I yeah. think that was a good good move. All right. So pumpkins instead of my baby blues. I guess we'll take that choice. Uh, anyway, I'm going to set the line. On the over-unders on Republicans in the House, after we're done counting the votes in the 2022 election, which for House races will be sometime around Thanksgiving. I'm going to put the over-under on 230, which means I, I just don't think there's any chance Republicans don't have a majority. Like it's 99%. Okay. But I'm going to say that majority is at 230. They have 206 now. So that would be a gain of roughly 24 seats. And I'm going to put it at 52 Republicans in the Senate. There are 50 now. So again, I don't think there's, if I'm setting the line there, I don't think there's much of a chance they don't win the Senate either. Taking the over or the under, Jill, we'll start with you and tell us why. I'm going to take the over because are things going to get better in the next month? Are gas prices going to go up or down? Is your 401k going to go up or down? Are your kids going to be learning anything better at school? Or are they going to be focusing on drag time story hour? And we're going to have more mama bears like we had in California coming out and addressing and, you know, basically going out and, and stating to the school board how absurd it is that they let this stuff happen. We're going to continue down this path. The spirit of the age has taken hold. And to Todd's point, just this last half hour, this is going to be one of in I hate the, the it's going to be one of the most important elections of our lifetime. But this is the one where we actually have to take a stand and fight against all of this crap that is being shoved down our throats, especially with the children in the schools, with the trans stuff that's happening. Uh, Doug Mastriano had a brilliant ad defending schools and children in the schools. Uh, It's all going to be that. It's all the personal stuff that affects your life. It's not climate change. It's not going to be abortion. It's the economy and your kids. And when that happens, it's going to be the red wave. Todd? Well, I'm definitely taking it over on the House, on the Senate. We just got done talking about Fetterman. Walker, it's not that he's a sports guy, stay in your lane kind of thing, but he's increasingly a ridiculous candidate. That's within the margin of cheating over there. Uh, But not everything notwithstanding about your analysis of, you know, if if, uh, the governor there wins, uh, Kemp wins by nine points. I agree with all that. That's sound. I just think... I agree with your premise. He is he has he has a he is a weakened candidate yes. for sure. He is going to require Brian Kemp's uh well to use your phrase coattails. Yes. He can't win um on his own um in a vacuum which in this environment shows you that that it demonstrates and confirms he is a weakened candidate mm-hmm. whether it's because of legitimate accusations his un, his inability to articulately argue around them and who knows if we'll ever know the answers to these questions says Roy Moore from somewhere in rural Alabama okay but there's no all those things aside he is clearly a weakened candidate that requires the assistance of Brian Kemp and if he was not if he was at the top of the tip, ticket and there was no governor race there this year then we I think would be having a different mm-hmm. conversation and tacos Jill's point echoing mine listen I this is this is the most important election of my lifetime and it's a midterm 
It's a, because listen, it it doesn't. They saw what happened after we got uh, everything read uh, with Trump, and then nobody did a thing about Obamacare, and the Democrats learned. If we get this uh, we, from a republic, if you can keep it perspective, th- this is the game. We cannot keep relying on a a the White House to do something because as great as DeSantis has been, the swamp will try to uh, swallow him up too. I was going to use the term assassinate. I wanted to be careful of that, but look at what they all but shoot, putting a bullet in a guy. Look at how they operate on the left. They, we cannot rely on that paradigm. We will be something other than a Republic. If we do not have this wave a and B and far more importantly, do what Chip Roy suggested to those people who poured uh, the paint all over that, uh, uh, what Van was Gogh. it, a Van Gogh? Mm-hmm. Chip Roy just flat out came out. The problem with their society is we don't kick anybody's ass anymore. God bless you, Chip Roy. This red wave needs to kick people's asses. Otherwise, we do not have a republic anymore. And don't lie to yourself otherwise. Aaron, over or under? Uh, I'm going over on both. So I'm going red tsunami because uh, along the lines of what Jill was saying, all of the indicators are just heading the wrong direction if you have a D after your name. I mean, all of them. We're at the point now. I mentioned this to you uh, yesterday off the air, Steve. I mean, Tudor Dixon in Michigan, she has like, I mean, she could wait until like two weeks before the election, totally go all in barnstorming that state on CRT and gender ideology and probably eke out a win. That's the environment that we're in right now. So the question actually becomes, yeah, you can say it's the most important election of your lifetime. I I would just ask this question. We know generously 80% of Republicans aren't worth, aren't worth your vote, honestly, but what environment is it most likely that we will have some modicum of hope of some uh, maybe future action of holding somebody maybe accountable. And I'm putting a lot of maybes, maybe, uh, probably, hopefully, I'm putting a lot of modifiers in there, guys. What environment can that actually happen in? It's probably one where the guy that you voted for uh, and maybe promised you some form of accountability is in there. So, yeah, I'm I'm not sold and nobody I don't think on this panel is sold that in, that the Republicans, if they have a red tsunami and take control of most of this country, other than the executive branch at the federal level, have, um, you know, they're probably not going to do much. But at least there's a chance. At least there's a chance with a red tsunami. Uh, and so for that reason, it's an incredibly, incredibly important election. Having said that, I don't even know if I'm going to vote for Chuck Grassley. I don't think I am. We're in a crappy position in that here's the reality of, 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 of the situation. And we have to accept the world for what it is, not for what we want it to be or what we hoped it to be. We have to accept the, a fallen world for what it is. The reality is, and perception is reality. At this moment, and in the next three and a half weeks, there is no other opportunity for us to lob a macro um, comprehensive objection to the direction of the country other than voting for a bunch of people that at the same time we know if it were to go down would probably show them where they live where we live to take us away to the camps all right but that's not the way we understand this 
in, in the little enclave of the world, you know, we get what, 15, 20 million people come to the Blaze website every month, okay? But that really is a sliver. That's a sliver of Trump's vote. I mean, Trump got 75 million votes, all right? So as massive as that audience is, as massive as the combined audiences of everybody here at a place like Blaze Media, it's a sliver of Trump's own vote. Which means to a lot of other people out there, they're not as informed as we are. They're not as bought in as we are. They're not as invested as we are. They're playing, they're playing at it down here while we're up here, right? And so this, the message that will be sent to those other people is that we assent to this. That we're willing to tolerate it. Because to all those other people, those people that are between where we are up here, in terms of our level of engagement and intensity and where the vast majority of even people on the, the right or the center are way down here at a surface level, we will send a signal to them that at this level of existential angst, we are somewhat endorsing of it. And, and, and then watch them just get completely picked off by the spirit of the age. And it's a crappy position to yeah. be in because the vast yeah. majority of these exact same people that we're going to vote for absolutely would show them where we live in order to have them send us off to the camps because yes. they hate us. Unless we have revival and our civic Correct. energy increases to the level of Dearborn, Michigan on a daily basis. Correct. You're exactly right. The, I, the, I give the same, the same advice I gave to Doug Mastriano on Twitter this morning. I'd give it to Tudor Dixon. In fact, I give it to every Republican in the country, and here's why. The three dynamics of this election that not a lot of people are talking about because they're focused on independent voters in the traditional paradigm. Independent voters, that 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 dog, that dog is that that goose is cooked. Republicans are winning independence by overwhelming majorities. How you go from a that's how you get a red wave. How you get a red tsunami is when these three events simultaneously occur. Okay, and and those three events are Trump's rural MAGA base, which is not very Republican and more Trump stays in the GOP fold, which right now we are saying you see a historic rec, you know, low turnout of blacks. Which is what we're seeing. And in states like Pennsylvania and Michigan, that matters a lot. Those are states where Democrats lose like 80 percent of the counties, but win the 20 percent that have the highest black populations. If you have a historic low turnout of black voters in those states, you bet what Aaron's talking about, where there could be a wild swing in just the final two weeks for a Tudor Dixon. You bet that can happen if she has the right message, which I'll get to that in a second. And the third is the mass migration of Hispanic voters where they're not just not good to vote. They're actually going to vote the other way. And we're, we've seen plenty of evidence of that. Those three things is how we go from a red wave to a red tsunami. To get to that red tsunami, to me, the message that catalyzes all of this and coalesces all of this, because all three of these groups are in alignment on don't give that poop to my kids. I don't want it anywhere near my kids. Get that crap out of my face. I don't want it anywhere near my face. That's how you get Muslims and Christians yelling at the same school board in Dearborn, Michigan. All right. Every Republican within the sound of my voice anywhere in America, your closing message ought to be linking all of these Democrats with these satanic groomers. That's your closing message, because there's a fourth benefit to this, too. You split the white, the white woman suburban vote. 
woke Karen is, is, is for this. But there's a lot of other soft-headed soccer moms that aren't really sure what they're for. They just know what, make, what they find icky. You need to force them to make a choice. Do you really want your children subjected to this? Tax cuts won't do that. The jo- jobs, and the, that doesn't do that. Say, do you want your children subjected to this? That should be the closing pitch of every Republican in the United States of America, period. Exit question, Joe Biden will not be president this time next year. True or false? Quickly, Todd. True. Jill. True. Aaron. True. All right, very quickly. Issue four. If you could guarantee the election of one Republican this November, other than Ron DeSantis and Kerry Lake, whom would it be and why? And this needs to be very quick. Aaron. J.D. Vance. I think he really gets it to the area of the company or country that he comes from. Uh, that's been the hardest hit by the globalist elites. And so I, I do think he gets it uh, beyond a lot of other Senate candidates out there. Jill. I'm going to go with Doug Mastriano. I want to see a key swing state with a red governor in place for the 2024 election. Who has, who even sounds like DeSantis a little bit in terms of this voice, but their messaging is very similar, Todd. Senator Ron Johnson, he's a true general. He's a true believer that a COVID stand needs to be taken down. He's not doing this for political reasons. He sees the evil in it and he will fight it. All right, Todd, I'll go back to you. Predictions. Uh, I think there's maybe in uh, uh, Georgia, th- th- there's going to be an attempt, speaking of trial balloons, to say that the democracy is racist in one of these elections. How are they going to somehow overturn this election? They're, they're, look at the point they're at with gender, everything like that. They're just going to say democracy is racist based on outcome where somebody like a, a black man is going to win because it's that upside down. Hmm. Aaron? So uh, the game of the year so far, Kansas City versus Buffalo at home in Kansas City. I believe this is the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career that he is an underdog at home. I hate picking against my Chiefs, and there are people in the audience who are Chiefs fans who get all over me when I just try to analyze the game objectively. I don't. I think the Buffalo Bills won't even cover. I think the last I saw was three and a half. I think they will win by a field goal. Good emotional hedge there. Yep. Go ahead, Jill. Mercifully, our Iowa Hawkeyes are off this week, so I'm actually going to go with a political prediction. Uh, The Hispanic vote will shift in greater numbers than it had even in the 2020 election. In 2016, that was 28%, 2018, 25%, 38% in 2020. That number will be higher for Republicans this time around. I agree. I think you're looking at historic levels of turnout for Republicans among Hispanics. I'm going sports as well. Dan Campbell's going to go from hard knock superstar to fired at the end of the season as coach of the Detroit Lions. And I hate to say this because I like the guy a lot. But if you're a longtime fan of the Lions, and I am, there is a cosmic moment where every Lions coach looks into the mouth of madness, into the abyss, and faces the curse head on. And all of previous ones have failed. Monty Clark praying for Eddie Murray to make a field goal. Uh, Marty Morningweg, I'll take the win when he wins the coin toss in an overtime game. Everyone has looked into the abyss. And there's a moment when you can tell they're broken. Like Bobby Ross, VMI military guy, and he comes out of a game once screaming, I don't coach that stuff! Talking about the jumps off sides and everything else. He was broken. He was done, and he was done at the end of the year. Dan Campbell had that moment. He could have gone for it in Minneapolis to end the game right there. And he buckled and he puckered and now the house of usher has fallen on him and i it breaks my heart i thought he might have the self-awareness and dudeness to break this curse but no he will be at the end of the year the latest grist for the honolulu blue and silver mill unfortunately there's steve dace there he is so it's just another lion 
<laughs> Thank you, Jill. Appreciate it. Bye. We'll come back Good for one. some more Feedback Friday here with Hour 2 next. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. For those of you that uh, don't have the little graphic behind me, it's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter. And then you can get clips of the show free to watch and free of any of that big tech censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Speaking of our Rumble page, the updated, the addendumed, uh, version 2.0 of my 10 commandments of political warfare. They are up right now in a separate video on our rumble page. If you want to go check those out, share them with people that you think might be uh, looking for some strategic help. Uh, rumble.com slash Steve day show is where you can get that clip and all the others. Those of you that are also on Trump's truth social, look for me there at real Steve Dace. And those of you that are podcast listeners, um, good time. I'm in the middle of a contract negotiation and our podcast rating is soaring yet again. So that worked out. Okay. Thanks to all of you for that. You're the reason why, I mean, we can't listen and make that much of an impact listening to our own stuff. In fact, I don't think I've even listened to our podcast like ever. Have you ever listened to it? No, neither have I. I just don't have, I'm like, I don't have time to go back and listen to what I already said. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of you are listening, which is good. <laughs> We're not, but a lot of you are. So if you have yet to do so, please leave us a five star review. If you dig it, uh, you can also hit subscribe and follow as well. Thank you to all of you that have done those things for us. We are very, very grateful. And remember, if you have a question that you want to have considered for the next Ask Me Anything, which is coming up on Monday show, embed your question into your five star review and it'll go to the front of the line for consideration by Todd, who chooses those questions. Feedback Friday brought to you by our friends over at ExpressVPN. Uh, we talk about ExpressVPN all the time. It has won all kinds of awards. Number one by CNET, Wired, TechRadar, and countless others when it comes to VPNs that are on the market. It encrypts your data, reroutes it through a server of your choice that's in a secure location that not only protects your data, but also that you control which country you want You know, streamers like Netflix to know you're coming and dialing in from because a lot of times different countries have wider varieties of content than what they offer us here in the United States. That's kind of a hack for a life hack there doing a bit of a workaround um, you can choose from up to 90 different countries to wire your internet connection through and if you uh, want to take advantage of ExpressVPN protect your online privacy with them uh, right now go to expressvpn.com slash Steve and get three extra months for free when you sign up for a year so how about 15 months for the price of 12, 15 months for the price of 12. When you go to expressvpn.com slash Steve, that's expressvpn.com slash Steve. All right, you guys ready for some feedback Friday? Yes. This note's a little long, but I think it's important. So I want to start. This is from Chelsea Kaba Kaba, I think is how it's pronounced. Chelsea Kaba Kaba. 
I'm one of those listeners you discussed the other day on your show. Someone who was lost, found your show, and is now trying to find my way to God. I was raised quite literally by pagans in Northern California. My mother had goddess circles in the woods, made drums and rattles from our pet goat's hide when he died. I was lost in darkness for years and years, and then I found you guys a show. I've been meaning to write to you about how to begin to raise my children to love God because I do not know where to start myself. You already answered um, an email that I sent recently about my husband's VA situation. So I understand if you can't answer this one, but I just felt like I had to write to you again because you guys are making a difference. And that's exactly why we're going to answer this one. Thank you, Chelsea. When I was in my early 20s, I had an abortion. I didn't for a second question that this was what I should do. I went to public school and college and was taught it was just a clump of cells. I walked into a Planned Parenthood in the Bay Area and the nurse practitioner told me I was doing the right thing. I was 11 weeks pregnant. She performed the abortion with the ultrasound screen turned away from me so that I never saw what she saw. When she finished, she asked if I wanted to see what she had removed. She held out a little Dixie cup with what looked like mucus, just swirls of fluid, nothing resembling a human or a baby visible to the naked eye. Fast forward, I'm married, trying to have children. I had a miscarriage and couldn't stop thinking that maybe God was punishing me for aborting my first child. One day I woke from a dream with perfect peace in my heart. In my dream, I was holding my son on my hip with my daughter standing next to me. I knew I would have a daughter and then a son because I had seen them. I finally got pregnant and saw my baby on an ultrasound at eight weeks. I heard her heartbeat. I saw her again at 12 weeks as the doctors were heavily monitoring my pregnancy. I saw her perfect little face, the shape of her little body. Everything I had been ever told then crumbled. She was a baby. She was perfect. She had her own body and my body was just the vessel nurturing her and keeping her alive. I began to face the fact that I had been lied to about everything. And all my pro-choice positions were based on lies. It wasn't just a clump of cells. It wasn't just a fetus. When I got pregnant with my son a few years later, even my husband had to admit that my dream had been more than that. I had seen our children, had held them even before they were conceived. I knew that it meant something, but I didn't know what to do about it. It wasn't until I found your show that I fully admitted that I had been wrong. And I became unapologetically pro-life. I relaunched the Federalist Society at my law school, and I'm the president. We are regularly protested because we are blamed for producing judges who de- producing the judges who decided Dobbs. I am trying to lead this organization to help people see the lies the way I did, but also still trying to figure out how to be a person of faith after being lost in darkness for so long. But most importantly, back to the reason I am writing. I do not know how to raise my children with faith. Do I just walk into a church one Sunday and try to open my heart? How do I find a church that I can trust to guide our family? The kids are now eight and five. My son went to a private Christian preschool. He's the youngest member of our family. And he has quite literally had more religious education than any of us. My husband was religious when we met and married, but I'm very ashamed to say I probably drove him away from that. I was arrogant as only a left-wing woman can be, and I don't even know how to start to get my family back on track. Any guidance you can answer would be appreciated. Sincerely, Chelsea Kabakaba, JD candidate, University of Oregon School of Law. This is a fantastic email, Chelsea. First of all, I want to go back to something I said yesterday for the broader audience, and I want to reinforce a point. There are various 
distances of differences between Catholics and evangelicals. Between Catholics, evangelicals, and non-Messianic Jews. Between Catholics and LDS, Jews and LDS, LDS and evangelicals. But, and, and I don't believe, by the way, in papering over those differences. If I had different convictions, if my convictions lined up with those other movements I just named, I would belong to them, right? Yes. But I, I belong, I'm, a, I'm an evangelical because that's where my convictions are. I will not change my convictions to, to work with, on behalf of truth and righteousness, the people that find themselves in those other groups. I'm not changing my conviction for you. If, if for example, the price for us working together is I have to say Jesus isn't Messiah, then I, I'm sorry, we won't work together. Now, I won't demand that you proclaim that to work with me. But I expect that accommodation to go the other way. If you want to debate the Messiahship of Jesus, I'm happy to debate it with you. I'd love to, actually. But we don't, we don't have to substitute that debate. We can do an and also. We don't have to substitute that debate for working together where we have common philosophical, epistemological, and moral directives, objectives. And you're seeing that in Michigan right now with Christians and Muslims storming the school board there in Dearborn, Michigan. Because what you are seeing comprehensively across the board, the spirit of the age, does, the devil does not know who is called to salvation. He is not omniscient. He's just old. He doesn't exist outside of space and time. He's a created being. The Bible is very clear. Only the lamb slain before the foundation of the world is qualified to open the book of life and see whose name is written in it. That's Christ. Only God is all-knowing. The devil is not. And this is why you are watching right now in Western culture. It used to primarily be confined to Judeo-Christian enclaves. But now that we are a more religiously diverse society than we were during those days... Any theistic belief system that attempts to inspire human beings to pursue or be, or be motivated by truth or righteousness is under assault right now. The professors at, at, at the Moody Bible Institute have the same complaints about the soft-headedness of the next generation of students walking into their seminary as, as they do at BYU right now, despite a chasm of differences named Joseph Smith between those two tentpoles, Okay. But one thing they all have in common is what in the Sam Hill is going on? These kids don't believe anything. They can't think their way out of a paper bag. This is systemic. Anytime you show that you're, you're hearing that little knock on your heart, like what Chelsea's talking about right here. Anytime you show that, regardless of whatever your current acknowledged religious affiliation is, the devil opposes you. And will try to deter you from that. Because he sees that as a sign, this might be one of his. This might be one of the carpenters. And I want to get in the way of that. I'm a murderer. That's what I do. 
Chelsea just confirmed that. Here she does not understand, by her own admission, how to truly connect with her creator. But she, she heard the little knock on her heart. That was the truth. And she opened the door and answered. And now, despite the fact her story is not complete by her own admission, she is spiritually confused in areas by her own admission. She's getting protested and targeted at the University of Oregon as if her name were Billy Graham. I think that's an important point to reinforce right after the conversation we had yesterday in a broader context. Now, Chelsea, for you individually and for anyone else that feels like her, reading your note, and Chelsea, this is why I read your note. Most of the time, if you guys send me a note this long, unless it gets me right in the first paragraph, I just have to move on. I get too many emails. I, I just can't get bogged down in that, and I'm sorry. The reason why I stuck with this one, though, and then read it in its entirety verbatim to the audience is because there is so much good and rich material here. But there's a word missing here. One word is missing here, Chelsea. And it's, it's the most important word in this transaction. Forgiveness. You acknowledge the truth. I think based on your description, perhaps it's possible God has even prophetically spoken to you in a dream. You're taking stands for righteousness. But, but you're left wondering, I'm hovering around the target here, but I haven't landed this plane. I mean, what's the final connection here? Let me speak to you as a woman, because you're made in the image of God. The emotional instincts you have, the, the nurturing instincts you have, were, those represent the image of God as well. He gave those to you. The Bible is the only book in the history of the world that has granted women that level of individual dignity apart from men. You also created in the image of God. As Moses said, he created a male and female. He created them. When you murdered your child, and you know, Chelsea, that's what you did. When you murdered your child... You violated God. And I can sense that you know that by the note that you sent. And your now desire to atone for it. Your desire to make up for it. Which is good and righteous. If, if your husband had committed an act early in your marriage... that you consider to be a betrayal.
And then years later, did a lot of good and proper things to try to atone for it, but never came to you individually and said, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I should not have done this. Please forgive me. I will, I will do what I can to show you I mean it. But I need to start by acknowledging it. I need to start by saying it. Jesus is all the atonement you or anyone else needs. The murder of your child that you committed, every sin you already have committed and are committing now, he's already atoned for it. What God wants most of all is for you to recognize that. Because this isn't about what you do for God. It's about what he did for you already. And then in recognition of that, you are now transformed, a new creation. You are free now to go live the life with the purpose that God originally had in mind for you. But you need to come to him and you need to bow the knee and you need to say, I'm a murderer. What I did was wrong. And I'm doing all this stuff to show I know it was wrong. But I need to show you it was wrong. And then that's how you connect with God's love. For there is no greater love than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. He already laid down his life knowing you were going to murder your child, Chelsea. He did this for you already. And to fully connect with him, you need to acknowledge that, as we all do. You broke your relationship with your creator. We all have. I have. He has repaired that breach. But just as you want your husband to remember birthdays, anniversaries, special occasions... You know why? You know why you have those desires as a woman? Where did you get them? Who gave them to you? Your creator, because you're made in his image too. Who gave me my instincts as a man to want to protect and defend my creator? Because I'm made in his image as well. He desires for you to acknowledge what he has done for you. The importance of that occasion the eternal significance of it. And that's the first step into an intimate relationship with your maker. You have everything right here. You just skipped a step. (laughs) The first step. You went to the steps we typically do after the first step. It's your husband. He bought you the flowers. Finished the honeydew list. 
is out there encouraging his buddies to be better husbands. He skipped a step though, didn't he? He didn't come to you and say, I'm sorry. I betrayed you. I beg for your forgiveness. That's the step you haven't taken yet by your email. That's the most important one. Because as talented, as gifted as you are, God can find other people to do all of these things. The one-on-one transaction here is not what Chelsea can do for God, but Chelsea's acknowledgement of what God has already done for her. You guys want to add to that at all really quick before we move on? I would say in that long letter, you're talking about concerns across the board. There's a lot of life going on. Well, that's true for all of us. How do we calm the chaos? I I suggest to you regularly doing two things that will be symbiotic with one another. Um, your, Your prayer life needs to be unceasing. And I don't don't let that just be rhetorical, like no matter what you're doing eating, uh, whatever interaction socially you're about to go, uh, into everything and make that prayer the same every single time. Help me to show you, show me the truth of Jesus and what I'm about to do. We make Jesus like this Christology master's level seminar all the time. And no, no, no. He's one plus one equals two. Make it the basis of your prayer life. And then at home constantly and with your children, if possible, I would make it at Mark and Luke on loop because I think they're the easiest, uh, for several reasons, uh, uh, Matthew and John get deeper in various ways automatically. You can make all of them as deep as you want to, but I would just read those Gospels on loop all the time, no matter what. And those two things, your prayer life and how you interact with people and reading those Gospels, the chaos will calm, even if things get crazier, because the truth will become so automatic in all things and all people and in all ways. Let's have a segue before we go into another email, given the weight of the one we just talked about. Talk about our friends over at Omega XL. You've got over 300 places in your bodies, uh, in your body. You have one body uh, called joints. This go, these goes from the top of your neck down to the bottom of your feet. Crucial for activity, flexibility. But as we get older, they also become critical uh, hubs of inflammation. Why does that matter? Because likely the stiffness, the achiness, soreness uh, that lingers and won't go away, that's likely caused by too much inflammation in those joints. That's why you're looking for an all natural anti inflammatory from our friends over at Omega XL. Can't give it a better recommendation other than I use it myself. I take it with me wherever I go. I use it every single day. So I am a living testimony to the effectiveness of this product. If you want to give it a shot, um, or maybe it's been a while and you want to come back and give it a shot again. Visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve. They'll give you a BOGO option. Buy one, get a second one for free. Buy one bottle, get a second one for free. When you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 800-844-4888, 800-844-4888. This notice from Stephen, I became a Christian 14 years ago. I don't think the church has changed in the last 14 years. Ironically, I think maybe that I've changed. 
but it's through earnest prayer and really uh, and really studying the word of God itself, not answering fill in the blank Bible studies that line Christian bookstore shelves, promising closeness to God. I came to realize I wanted more than the spiritual milk Paul and Peter refer to in the scriptures. It was my desire for solid food that I really began to see the thin gruel from too many of our pulpits. I've had discussions with elders and pastors about the state of the church, and I get many answers ranging from wanting people to hear the gospel and not offending them to just submit to the authority and teaching of the church. I have to be careful because even though the church is not stepping up without the church, I don't know that I'd even have a spiritual walk to be grateful for. So I find myself praying for the church and trying to share that if the church needs to step up to anyone, uh, that uh, I'll listen. So let me ask you, do you think the church in America changed or did you? Stephen, this is a, I wanted to share this note. This is the exact conversation we've had in our small group. I, I don't think most American, there is a strain of wokeism infesting the church. But I, I think what's happened more than anything else, particularly in the suburbs, is that a lot of churches are still doing the meta-generic Bible, Bible teaching and especially application without, as if we were still at DEFCON 1, without recognition here, we're at DEFCON 4. And by the way, remember that Jesus condemns the religious leaders in Israel for not understanding the signs of the times. You guys are still preaching and teaching as if Messiah has not come. Well, Messiah has come and Messiah is here. So adjust your you know, vision accordingly, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that should clarify things a little bit further for you. Before Abraham was, I am, he says. That, that, so let me provide some clarity for you. The moment here, do you understand the signs of the times? Do you understand the moment that is before you right now? In the beginning was the word and the word became flesh and the word was God. Do you understand what is happening here? And that, I think you've touched on something that we came to the conclusion to in our own small group. It's that a lot of these suburban American predominantly white churches are still doing the same kind of Bible preaching they did in 1999, 2004, when we didn't have drag queen story time hour going on down the street, when we had 31 consecutive States, including very blue States like California say, no, we're not going to do gay marriage. And it ain't 1999 Todd. And it ain't 2004. They don't know what time it is. They haven't read the signs of the times. They are still delivering this as if it is in some form of a, of a vacuum. I think that's right on the money. Yeah. We, we've been preached to as individuals, uh, and there hasn't been a corporate sense uh, within the preaching for a long time because of our comfortability, because of our uh, largesse, we just assumed that that part, the go to Nineveh part, was kind of a, uh, we have no Nineveh. It's just an automatic pilot. And so, you know, give to charity and there's, we professionalized everything. We're as efficient as we ever could be as a Christian culture. Well, th th that, that time, that was a lie. Uh, but that time, to the degree that any of that was uh, remotely true, that time is no more. And it's not just about uh, how we feel individually about ourselves, which was also a lie, that that's the, the, the sum of our Christian faith. We, we, we need to focus on all things 
that the gospel tells us to focus on. And we never have a chance. We never, even in good times, are allowed to put those things aside. Other times, it's a guarantee the good times will go away because the devil's always working. He hates those good times and he hates you. Yeah, what you see now is a result of at least a generation, generation and a half, if not two generations of Christians, not just churches, but Christians, individual Christians outsourcing their many tasks that God has given them to parachurch or to the government. Mm -hmm. What happens when the government, though, takes over and gleefully accepts or maybe begrudgingly accepts the outsourcing of the church's job and Christian's job is that you get what? A growth in government as well. It is an inverse relationship between the personal responsibility and how much personal responsibility the individual Christian or the average individual Christian takes on in a society and the size and scope of government. It is not a coincidence that as the uh, the the, the uh, which which way looks uh, looks better on camera I can't remember but the last one the last one okay. so as the as the uh, personal re- responsibility uh, goes down for the Christian the size and scope of government goes up mm-hmm. for the Christian mm-hmm. as well or for the country as well mm-hmm. yeah I, I we can't do this in a vacuum. We don't, we don't change the word of God based on cultural trends. We don't ignore them either. Right? I mean, if I was going to do, if I was sent as a, as a missionary to like a tribal village with a shaman that, and whose, you know, voodoo cultic religion had dominated the village for a generation before I ever showed up and had infiltrated the worldviews of the entire populace I'm attempting to evangelize, should I not confront it? Should I not acknowledge and, and contrast the scriptures with, with the poison they've already ingested? Would that be an effective tool of evangelism? Of course it would not. No. Just a, we're gonna we're gonna just do this in the in a vacuum and not address what's ha- actually happening outside the doors of the church once you leave here. How's your inner child, Steve? Indeed. More feedback Friday in a moment. So how's that economy working out for you? Eh? I mean. We made the case on the show yesterday. 485% increase in inflation since Joe Biden has taken over. Is that a lot? Is that bad? Is that bad? Yeah. In fact, I think it's the worst in American history. Steve, what about the Great Depression? That was deflation. That was deflation. (laughs) Right? So, yeah, I think this is the worst inflation in American history. This is why you're, you want to look uh, for hedges of protection against government schemes and debasements throughout uh, the history of our species. Smart people have looked at tangible assets, solid, proven over the test of time, precious commodities like gold and silver to be just that hedge. If you want to get into that business, uh, check out our friends over at uh, Bullion Max right now. They'll give you the silver starter kit to get you started see what i did there includes the silver uh, american eagle coin and and several other best-selling silver coins that are out there right now they will offer it to you at employee pricing they cannot do it any more inexpensive than that employee pricing right now to get you started but this offer is so good they want to limit it to just one per household if you want to take advantage of it go to bullionmax.com slash steve bullionmax.com 
slash Steve. All right, let's get back to some more Feedback Friday. Matt writes, is patriotism just loyalty to the government and the land, or is it loyalty to the people and the ideals? Like the church is not the building, but is Christ and the believers. I may not have the analogy right, but I hope it is close. If our church closed down tomorrow for whatever reason, do we still have a church? I say yes. So if our government corrupts everything and defiles our ways, do we still have a people and ideals to fight for? Have we mixed our loyalty to the federal kingdom so tightly with our beliefs that it is hard to separate them? Is that why this is so hard to contemplate? I love my country and my state. I love Christ most, my family more than my country or state. Hard stuff for me to take what's happening in the country. But take it I will and fight what I can to keep what little there is left going. Until it isn't and we have something new. Thank you guys for making me think about things like this. I think this is actually a fairly good analogy. Now we're not making a moral equivalency. On the moral equivalency, if we were making a moral equivalency, Christ and his church would be up here. The United States of America would be space butter, space butter, space bar. A lot of space bars. United States of America. Okay, a lot. So I, I know you're making, I just want to clarify that. We're not making a moral equivalency, but I do think that, that there is a situational equivalency here to some degree. Um... I have said on this show, guys, that I'm about five minutes and, you know, one more level of zaniness away from, I'm not standing for the national anthem. I'm not, you know, that's, I, I don't acknowledge, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, this isn't my government. I mean, I don't, no, I mean, I'm, that, that's not, I, 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 we get choked up at the flag because of the values it represents, not because it's a particularly austere, benevolent, um, you know, elite, uh, you know, craftsmanship of work of art, right? It's, it's about what does it stand for? We call the founding fathers patriots. They refuse to acknowledge their own government as Englishmen. In fact, that was their complaint. You're not treating us like Englishmen. So we'll have to form our own government then. Form our own independent country. So I think this is a this is a proper distinction. Well, you know, Steve, you know, terrible people use the cross as their logo and we don't abandon the cross. I, the cross is not the flag of the United States. That's a more, you're making a moral equivalency. They're not even close. The cross is the most recognized logo in, on the planet. It's the most used and recognized logo in the history of the world. Represents an event of eternal cosmic significance. That also predates the founding of this country by about 1700 years. So they're not the same. I would put it more analogous with someone who decides to stay with a denomination because that, that, that's completely gone rainbow and abandoned the Bible because they, well, it's the denomination I'm from. Okay. So? So what? I mean, you go to the Church of the Evangel ELCA or the Church of Jesus Christ. I mean, who, who cares what a denomination you're in? I mean, do you even Protestant, bro? I, mean, I, I don't understand that. 
you know, if you're going to do that, at least be Catholic. They've got 2000 years of history, tradition, and evidence for such a claim. What the hell are Methodists talking like that for? All right, cool. The Wesley brothers wrote some cool stuff in the 1800s, man. Great. They suck now. So what are you doing there? Like, I don't understand that stuff. I think that's a better analogy to nostalgically holding on to these relics. If indeed this confirms itself to be a country that largely doesn't exist when we consider the values that founded those relics. What are your thoughts on this, Todd? Yeah, listen, America, by definition, from its founding and at its healthiest, it's we the people. And it continues to be that now. That's it's not the land, it's not the government, and this speaks to Steve's point that um, you know he took some criticism for. I don't know, are we going back two months about you know you got to leave these uh, blue states? Yeah, hopelessly blue states. Well, yes. Look around you. You, you, you know whether you're still living in America or not by the people. Uh, are they actively fighting against it? Do they even care? Th- that's your measuring stick. And if you're surrounded by uh, people who want to make you a slave of all manner of godlessness, you're not living in America anymore. And that's if you in the middle of California. Now, if you, as we've said, if you're a freedom fighter, if you have fully realized what time it is and you've decided full on revolutionary, hey, we'll listen to you. Because if there's a, hey, who are we? This country was founded on that ragtag bunch who uh, persisted uh, and ultimately pushed the Redcoats back. So we're willing to listen to it. But more often than not, it's people who are still, you know, reading books, uh, do, doing this, that. It, it's That's not good enough. You, you need to full on be a soldier as a citizen these days. So that's the measuring stick. It is we the people. A lot of you are surrounded by people that are, they're only American in the sense that they live within these borders. That's it. Their ideals are entirely un-American or aggressively against being an American. So I, I, I think that... It, like I said earlier uh, on the show uh, with the other letter writer, simplify things as much as possible. We we have way too many moving parts, and and which paralyzes us and tell us what to do. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to read the times? It's more obvious than ever that these times are un-American. Yep. Yeah. You have any thoughts on this, Aaron? I mean, you represent a younger generation. You know, Todd and I are the last American generation that saw institutions that still, even while crumbling, attempted in a decaying state to uphold the founding institutions of the country. You, millennials, are the first generation to enter into a country that none of these institutions really have ever tried in your lifetime, as far as you know. So what are your views on this? Mama says law is as law does. The only laws that matter are the ones that are enforced, regardless of whether those laws are real or just or just made up. Every single institution. I, I, I said I said yesterday that the new Ten Commandments of political warfare, aside from the first one, which is revival or bust, I think it's uh, the third one, which is uh, the Constitution, third or fourth one, the Constitution was supposed to be a compact, not a suicide pact. 
Which is why when we talked about Alex Jones yesterday on the overtime, and I understand what stays in the overtime, or what happens in the overtime stays in the overtime, you know, what he said was vile and wrong. Was the punishment just? No, it's not. Because it's the law right now is not applied evenly across all races, all, well, I'm sorry, not across all classes, across, across all uh, creeds. It's just not. If you're conservative, depending on where you live, if you're brought up on trumped up charges, you have no shot in hell of getting a fair shake. And that's just indicative of that's indicative of where the institutions are as well. Or non-regime affirming regardless, like a Russell Brand has to go to Rumble now. Yeah, right. Correct. So we we live in this time where uh, we don't necessarily even have to call them strange bedfellows, even if we disagree with them or if they're vile. (laughs) Co-dissidents. Yes. Even if they're vile or we think they're vile, we can still say, hey, this is still not just because it's not, you know, law precedent standard it's not being applied equally across the board that's a great point that you made there well done hey i know there's not a lot of options to avoid handing your hard-earned money over to entities and companies that hate you which is why when it does present itself particularly with a product that all of us need to use nowadays take full advantage of it about this time last year our family finally because i finally decided to bite the bullet and make the switch final straw for me was when t-mobile started censoring text messages on COVID that they didn't like, that's when I was finally like, okay, man, I just, my sense of honor finally overcame my, um, my sloth. All right. It's going to be a hassle, but we got to do it. Couldn't believe how simple they made it for us. Just an outstanding customer service team. And then I kind of started feeling like Aaron Rodgers in those commercials, you know, maybe I got the blaze partner discount, you know, and they went the extra mile. But then I heard from so many of you that made the switch that they made it seamless for you too. So now I just think it's pretty standard operating procedure around here. Make the switch to Patriot mobile. You'll pretty much get the same coverage you're already getting in most cases, because in most cases they all have the same coverage. But you can get it with the peace of mind of knowing you're now not supporting a business directly that hates you. They make they have uh, corporate uh, ventures as well for companies that are looking for mobile phone coverage, not just individuals. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch. They'll give you even bigger savings as a way of saying thank you for your service. For everybody else, get a free activation when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Free activation when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. Let's close out with this one from Jason Ford. I am an oncology pharmacist who was forced to choose between taking the jab to keep my job or losing it and not having insurance company or insurance coverage to pay for my son's cleft palate surgery. Listening to Dr. Harvey Risch on your show recently enraged me. As a pharmacist, it should be obvious that drugs are used off-label, whether hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or chemotherapy. I remember back in 2020 when these drugs were removed from our pharmacy so they couldn't be used. I was literally told to sit down and shut up when I questioned why. CDC said so was the basic answer given to anyone who dared to question the reasoning. The last 29, 30 months has literally made me question on a regular basis if American healthcare is something I even want to be associated with. Add to this the almost weekly reminders of things like Boston Children's Hospital conducting Nazi-level experiments on young children because of gender dysphoria. This is the same hospital that provided the care for our son through every step of correcting his cleft lip and palate. It absolutely crushes me hearing how this hospital can be so great on one floor and then so evil on another one. They are truly destroying the womb within little girls that Planned Parenthood couldn't kill. What a way of putting it, by the way. That... That'll preach right there. So here's my question. 
What can one person do in the face of this? I feel so compelled to do something, but as one person, I can't even fathom where or how to start. Our pastor has asked me in the past uh, in the past to speak to the congregation on any topic I feel led to discuss. I've always felt like God wanted me to remind people of our country's founding and how we in the church are America's watchmen on the wall. However, I really feel like now the issue to discuss is cultural and on the and and the war on innocence of our children. As one person, what would you do and what advice do you have for people like me? And now you can see why I said we should maybe close with this one. The first piece of advice I would give you, and for anybody that has a similar thought, is first and foremost to check your own motivations. I have to do this all the time. I know this is going to shock all of you. It doesn't take a lot to make me angry. I know a lot of you right now, jaws hitting the floor all throughout the fruited plain. I don't need much to be antagonized. And if you're not just fully stunned yet, I don't have to be cattle prodded to a confrontation. sarcasm there aside it's why i do have to check my motivations am i acting out or am i doing this for the glory of god notice i didn't say check my um tone check my practices check my intentions no my motivations am i angry about what god's angry about or am i just angry see my point Yes. Am I, do I want to confront what God confronts or do I just want to confront? Do I want to avenge what God avenges or do I just want vengeance? First thing to do is to check your motivations. Do not become like that you are opposed to. We're not permitted to do that, by the way. We're not. Well, Steve, doesn't the Bible say eye for an eye? It is speaking in this case as a metaphor about restitutional justice. What what someone has taken from you restitutionally must be restored. Restitutionally. The Israelites did not literally go out plucking each other's eyes out. It is speaking metaphorically about restitutional justice. So, number one, Jason, check your motivations. And with that in mind, here's my next big thought. Become ungovernable to the spirit of the age. Become ungovernable. You want to be the person that they know they basically just have to kill. Because anything else they might try just won't work and be worth the hassle. Intimidating you. Pressuring you ridiculing you, insulting you, none of you, you just, you're in full Phil Collins, I don't care, any mo-mo mode, you don't care. I can't tell you how little I care. It's irrelevant to me. Become ungovernable, because if enough of us become ungovernable, they can't enforce these things. Right now, enough of us aren't ungovernable. We're getting there, but we're not at that critical mass yet. Become ungovernable to the spirit of the age. It wouldn't dare even attempt to try these things in your presence. 
because we're not a nation of laws and never have been. We are a nation of political will, and we always will be. Have a great weekend, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.